So we have a, a series of things, uh, questions and letters that came in that I'd like to talk about because they're really interesting and they reveal several things about how consciousness works. So the first was a letter that I got and it says, it starts out, says Penny. During the June 18th Beyond Mystics interview, you mentioned that the little men in brown robes and others among your ET people were not free and that their bodies were altered as a result of being descendants of those on earth that took the jab. Do you feel free to elaborate on what specifically their bodies looked like and why they were not free after several generations? Also, given the recent successes by ground command in destroying much of the electronic warfare technology, the diminishment of chemtrails, a worldwide loss of interest in the shots, and the diminished numbers of the cabal, do you see the possibility that we are going to reverse this DNA manipulation, as your sources are hoping we will do, so that they also can be set free? I know this is a difficult subject for you to talk about, yet your answer might help us grasp our collective responsibility to solve this problem through a more unified effort. And then he signed his name. And so I replied, um, hi, Michael, let me correct one thing. If I gave the impression that the little men in brown robes were not free, that was unintended. They are far beyond the concepts, controls, and restraints that humans must deal with. They were beings of light and masters of existence in ways that I could barely get my mind around back then for many, many years. However, the small greys who responded to me when I was agonizing about the jab were the ones I was referring to when I said they were not free. I was trying to contact my people to get some answers about the jab, and they showed up, but there were a couple of small grays with them. The conversation with them went something like the following. Me, after making contact, should we go along with this jab? The grays responded, don't take the shot. Me, why not? The grays. They ended up holding their arms out like this and kind of like they were presenting their body to me for inspection. And they said, this is what you will become. And I, I was pretty shocked. Um, I was quiet for a moment while I took in what they said. And then they added, we came from your future to warn you, don't take the shot. Those of us who did were never again free. We were controlled and became a slave race. We are here now to help you and fight for our freedom. And that was pretty much the gist of it. They look just like the small grays that you see in a lot of pictures. In, in that one conversation, I understood that the reason they are often reported as being cold, without emotion, was because their consciousness was being electronically controlled. 
I don't know who was specifically doing the controlling, though. I also understood that they were pathetically thin because most of their nutrition was supplied by frequencies. They didn't eat anymore. Some of them had broken free and were working to free the rest of their race. But I didn't ask them for further clarification on these topics. Telepathic communication often includes a lot of extra perceptions that can serve as talking points or as distractions. And since I was wanting to know about the jab and you know, that was the extent of it for me. I was surprised by their responses. And I just took in that information and was left to deal with the surprise it generated. It was such an unexpected bunch of information. So as for reversing the DNA manipulation, that is definitely a possibility. Let me repeat that. As for reversing the DNA manipulation from the jab, that is definitely a possibility, but it is probably too late for the people who have already been jabbed. They will have to deal with their decision and its results. We could get a lot of help from several ET races who are absolute masters of genetic manipulation, but we would have to grow up and get past our fears of people from other places who look different and are far more powerful. We would also have to have a government and scientists who would cooperate. Our leadership is one hair above barbarian level and they tend to want to capture people and take them apart to see what makes them tick. ETs are not interested in serving as scientific cadavers. So while there is a solution, it may be a while in coming. I hope no one else thought I was talking about the robes being captured. It is difficult to talk about this, but I may have to post something somewhere to make sure there's no misunderstanding about the robes. Thanks for asking this question and bringing it to my attention. So... That was the first two letters. So the grays, when they came to you about this, how long ago yeah. was that? Was that recently? Yeah, that was, gosh, I think I taught, I can't remember exactly when that was, but I talked about it in one of the, um, one of the uh, interviews that I did, maybe two of them, or even mentioned it in some of our conversation. Um, that isn't the first time I had mentioned that the Graves had said, don't take the jab. I have in my head that it was like uh, almost a year ago. So, and I maybe talked about it in December of last year. Um, so, but the robes didn't come again. It was my ET people who came, my people. The robes, I haven't seen the robes since, God, was it? 1992 <laughs> or three somewhere there um and when well that's a separate subject but when they came and stood in the tree outside the window of the bedroom where my guest at the b&b was staying jean um and she saw them that was around 1997 
And I think they just showed up and showed themselves to her because they wanted me to know that, you know, my excuse for not for deciding not to publish the book was BS. My excuse was going to be nobody else has ever seen any little men in brown robes. I am sure this is just, you know, uh, it has to be a figment of my imagination. And, he, and it wasn't, and I knew it, and they showed up and stood in the tree outside the window um, and showed themselves to Jean. And then it was after the book was published, then people started writing from all over the world. Um, we've seen those little men in brown robes. We met those little men in brown robes. We saw those, you know, um, et cetera. I was shocked. I was really shocked. Um, okay, so then I got another letter. Um, so in response to my answer to Michael, I got a letter from someone else. And she said, wow, I'm in shock regarding Penny's response to a question by Michael regarding the, the V thing. I have a question for you. Does Penny believe that all of her supporters and students did not have the, the V shot? I found her response to not only be insensitive to those who might have had the shot, but also very disempowering and hopeless. I woke up spiritually at the beginning of 2021 following a very bad car accident that my son was in at the end of 2020. Over the next few months, I was told through many different sources about the transformation of Earth and that I was part of it. However, at this time, I was not given any of the specific details about the transformation. I was working on raising my frequencies and healing from the trauma of the accident. In the fall of 2021, I woke up to the reality of ETs and the significance of them in our lives going forward. It was not until earlier this year, this is 2022, that I really woke up to what has been taking place on earth and the agenda, etc. I had already had the shot back in 2021, as well as my family. Although I would obviously prefer it if we had not had it, I do not believe that our fate is sealed due to that one decision or that our future is hopeless. Why would Penny, who is constantly talking about how powerful we are as an aspect of source, then turn around and teach disempowerment and hopelessness regarding those who have already taken the vaccine? I also follow Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bashar. Dr. Joe teaches that energy and frequencies are primary and physical is secondary. Therefore, if you change your energy, you can change your physical reality. Thousands of his students have healed physical ailments and even diseases through changing their energy. These are really empowering teachings and it is probably why his events sell out in minutes. Bashar, when asked about the toxicity of the vaccines, said that the vaccines are not toxic and that everything is based upon our beliefs. Again, a much more empowering teaching regarding the ability to change our reality based on our beliefs. So, 
I guess I'm struggling with why Penny would be so insensitive and teach disempowerment and hopelessness. I am questioning whether or not to continue with my Patreon support due to this teaching of hers. I have enjoyed many of her teachings on consciousness, but I just do not know if I will be comfortable supporting her when she is putting out such a negative view to her supporters and the world. I would also like to point out that referencing someone getting the V-shot as, quote, taking the jab is condescending and certainly does not reflect a loving way to refer to those who didn't know better at the time. I would appreciate a response. So, so I have a number of things that I would say in response to this letter. Let's go back to the top. Do I believe that all my supporters and students did not have the shot? No, don't believe that at all. You know, half my family has had the shot. So I found her response to not only be insensitive to those who might have had the shot, but also very disempowering and hopeless. So right there, right there, you have an example of someone who has heard some words and has attached their own meaning to those words, regardless of what the message was. So let me go back to the message that I, that I said. Um, as for reversing the DNA manipulation, that is definitely a possibility. That's not so hopeless and that's not powerless. But it is probably too late for the people who have already been jabbed. Okay. So those, I'm going to say, I should probably not have put those two sentences together because it looks like one is contingent upon the other. The, it is too late for the people who have already been jabbed to not have to deal with that. Does that make sense? In other words, if you chose to have the shot, you are going to have to deal with whatever the response your body makes to that, to that shot. If you don't have any response, a couple people in my family have had zero response. They're fine. No side effects, no nothing. So, but other people I've seen have had terrible responses. Okay. If you got the shot, then you have to deal with the fallout. There's no way around that. That's all I'm saying there. And certainly, I'm not teaching hopelessness or powerlessness. That's your interpretation. You have to own that interpretation. So I don't have to deal with that, that shot. So, you know, it's, that's, that was my choice. But I've had to deal with other stuff that was an attempt to avoid that whole shot business and all of the other crap that was happening. Um, we've all been changed, all of us. There've been lockdowns, there've been masks, there's been all kinds of stuff, there's been restrictions, there's been uh, the shortages of this, that, and whatever. All of that is, we're all dealing with that. So <laughs> that's what I meant when I said, you know, if you've had the shot, 
it's it's really too late to avoid the fallout, whatever that fallout is. You're going to have to deal with it. I would expect if you were feeling powerful and feeling like you were in charge of your energy, that you would take steps to reverse that. However you can, use your power. Don't back away from it. Don't listen to me if, if you think that that's what I'm saying. It just comes down to that. Don't listen to me. You have to, there comes a stage in the development of consciousness where what other people say has more power than what you say. But if you keep going, you will begin to stand in your own truth and you'll take into account what other people say, but it won't sway you. It won't destroy you. It won't dishearten you. It'll inform you, but you're not going to end up feeling bad. So keep that in mind. Keep going with your own waking up process. So she goes on and she said um, she already had the shot back in 2021 and her family and would prefer that they hadn't. Um, if you haven't had any bad results of that, um, you know, then maybe you got one of the, um, the saline shots that didn't have anything in it. So there, there were different lots with different stuff in it. Okay. Um, either way, uh, your fate is only sealed by your own beliefs and your own actions or lack of actions. That's the bottom line. It's not what I say. It's what you think and what you do. Okay. Um, Let's see, comments, I like Joe Dispenza, I like Bashar. I've never heard anything by Bashar, but I've heard good things about what Bashar teaches. So that's good. I think a year or two ago, we were talking about the situation that was coming, about the, the shots that were being given, right? And at the time, I didn't want to have it at all. And I said, well, I would rather not be here anymore, or, you know, uh, uh, hide yeah. something than to do it. This is not, I don't want to see this evolution. Why? Because... Um, we had also talked that there is a possibility that at this moment in time, the human um, evolution will take many different branches. And yeah. one of them could be what you were saying about the greys, where there is a branch that will be controlled and could go into that path where their mind is, is they don't have thoughts and emotions of their own anymore. And at the time, I kind of thought that that was the only path. And oh. I said to you, I'd rather not do that. And you had said to me, well, what if there's a lesson to be learned? Because yeah. there's one path. And then you had given me an example of, of other of, of lessons that we all have in our time. And it's not only relating to our time here now, but our evolution as, as, a, as, a, as, a, yeah. as a frequency set. So you had given me a nice story with that. So I was wondering if you'd like to share it. Um, okay, yeah, there are many, many paths just because some group of people ended up uh, as captive, a captive population doesn't mean that's the only option. And there are others. So the, the, the thing that I shared with you was a lifetime that I had when I was 
a Polynesian woman. I wrote about her in, I think, The Evolving Human, and her name was Kay Ilani. And we lived on an island in the Pacific Ocean, on a group of islands. And um, one day, some ships came to our islands, and, um, and there were some white men, and they brought diseases with them that were just devastating. And they were small-minded. They were restrictive. They were controlling. They were mean. Um, I was put under house arrest. My father, who was, we would say the king, um, was uh, greatly harassed by them. I wanted to fight. I was witnessing the total destruction of our civilization and our way of life by these men that I thought were total idiots. And I wanted to organize some groups of people to fight and, and my father said, absolutely not. You will watch and you will learn. There is much to learn. And he stayed in his own house. We were both under house arrest. And I watched as my people died of left and right. Of everything. Oh, my gosh. Some of it was hopelessness. Some of it was they were heartbroken. Some of it was disease. Some of it was fighting. Some of it was fighting with themselves and their own families because the families were split over whether or not these new visitors were good or bad. And I lived to be quite old. Um, and I ended up traveling. And my father was right. There's much to learn. Much to learn. You cannot give up just because there's a temporary storm or temporary disruption or things fall apart. You just work your way through it. And in the end, you are different. Your people are different. Your society is different. And it's not bad. It isn't a bad thing. And so I have had that in my in the back of my mind that she came to me because she knew I was going to witness the same thing in this time and I am it's hard to watch and there's much to learn and there are many many choices and when we get through this we are going to see all those options Right now, it doesn't look like there's very many, but on the other side, the sky is the limit. So there's worlds out there that you can't imagine right now. So if you bring that back to the idea that, okay, we're talking about a linear time here. You could say it doesn't exist, but just for the sake of understanding reincarnation and yeah. the future. Um, so that, that experience that you had, you didn't mention around what time it was. Do you know what year it took place in the past, around what time? Um, 
I'm going to say it was in the 1800s. I'm not sure exactly of the date, um, but I do remember the name of the man, the white man. He was Cook. And he cooked our goose, something good. We often think of our lives just as now and that we want everything to go back to normal now, not realizing that now is not the end. What we're living in this lifetime will serve us also in other lifetimes. Yeah. So can you talk a bit about that? And, and um, she came to you because you didn't remember this life. This person came to you. Well, that part of yourself from, you know, yeah. she came to you and kind of taught you what to do. Can we do that as well? Is there parts of ourselves also that have perhaps learned other experience in other lifetimes that could help us now to go through this? I think it's really important to understand that um, that most of us have had more than one life here. Um, people have sometimes a lot of lives. Each one of those lives provides you with a set of perceptions, a set of experiences, some wisdom, some do's and don'ts, um, etc. And that's those are all tools in the toolbox of consciousness. So when you have when you have a connection to a particular life, it's not accidental. A lot of people are here um, just to anchor this change. Millions of people are here because they want the opportunity to take a step up in consciousness, to be able to work and live and relax within um, higher, uh, what would I call, higher dimensions of possibility. There are other dimensions out there. Um, and each one has their own set of rules, just like here we have, you know, if you compare it to religions, uh, we have the Catholics and we have the Jews and we have the, you know, the Protestants and we have the, um, you know, the uh, Muslims, etc. Each one has their own rules. It's kind of like that with the, um, with the possibilities of other dimensions. And, but you can't get into those if you don't evolve yourself and you have to prove yourself. Um, otherwise, you don't get an invitation and you are barred. Your energy system is barred and they use energy very effectively. You won't even know that that dimension or that potential existence is there. So um, a lot of people here saying, I want this. I want not everybody, but there's a lot, an awful lot, a wonderful lot, not awful lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, when you mentioned that the greys came to you and showed you the direction that some part of humanity could be taking because of this job, because very clearly there's something in this job. Some people yeah. could get something. Yeah. Um, so they come back to warn you and work differently. We've heard this, I know personally for myself, I've heard different variations of this, of people saying they come from the future because we made horrible mistakes and then they're trying to uh, correct okay. it or do something different. But even if we were to make different choices or the timeline, those grays, they're in their reality, even if they come back here, at the, they would travel, they travel through time. They come back right. at this time and they try to change something. It doesn't change something for them. It just changed another outcome for us. 
Um, can you correct so, words? Can you can they correct their future? They can. They so when you have made a, I'll call it a mistake. When you've made a choice that you then had an outcome you didn't like, um, you have to go back to a point where you understand what was the, you know, where was the error. And then you have to deliberately choose something else and go through all of the learning that that path requires. So that's what they're here doing. So it's when Kundalini occurred, um, that was a perfect example. All of a sudden, I had unlimited consciousness and zero, zero understanding of what to do with that, how to handle that, how to see it, how to think about it, how to use it to help others. Nothing. I was absolutely um, thrown for a loop. I, I thought, like I said, I thought I was dying. I thought I was going insane or both. Um, and I spent 17 years then going back through each stage of human development to correct that stage and bring it to fruition in a way that was successful. And that resulted in getting to a point where um, you enter into love. You're, you're in love. <laughs> sounds kind of hokey, but that's the truth. But in a way, you did this for this lifetime. You've corrected evolutionary paths yeah. this lifetime. We spoke yeah. before, for example, because I want to come back to the ideas of the grays and craze and changing the future. Yeah. You've told us that um, when you pass on and you go to the way station, for example, if that's what you choose to do, you can review your life and then you can say, well, I would like to go back or future in time because there's no such thing as linear time back to this point in history and reincarnate there so that I can understand what's going on. How can I be part of that or change that or understand how that came about? Right. So now you did it when you had your Kundalini experience for your lifetime. Yes. Also do it within a much greater lifetime. So yes. far, we've only spoken of the past, but for example, the greys who are from the future, let's say, right, can uh -huh. they change the present, their path, because they exist, I don't know, yes. how many thousands of years into the future. Yes. So they can. Yeah. So when you want to go backward in time, all you have to do is shift your frequencies to the configuration of that time frame. And then you collect the experiences that you missed. And by the time you get through to, to the point where you're back in your, your own present, which is the future, <laughs> you are not the same person. It's the same principle. You have corrected a whole bunch of errors in your choices um, and you have gathered a whole bunch of experience and perception that you needed in order to be able to follow a different path. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that's like a long, I don't want to say a long time. Yes, in terms of linear time that let's say they were, they came from the future, maybe not, let's say a thousand years. They came a thousand years back to this time. That's a uh -huh. lot of correcting. 
for them to be little grays who are skinny? Mm, not really. Okay. No, if you, um, so when you, well, I'm interrupting here. It, a thousand years sounds like a long time, but that's when you're thinking linear thinking. In that thousand years, what, you might have had how many lives? Not all of them would have been productive or instructive. So you, you end up um, not all, let me use the experience of Kundalini again. Not all of the experiences that I was having um, were useful especially the ones where I was freaking out or was terrified or was stumbling around, you know, what the heck is going on with my perception? Why can't I control my consciousness? Why am I having this? I think I'm going to burn up. Oh my gosh. I'm, it was an awful time. Why can't I sleep? How is it? I know all these things. When am I going to learn to shut my mouth? And stop talking about the things that I know. So many things. And then you make a choice, a new choice. And, you know, an example of a new choice is I, I discovered silence, inner silence. And I've been in that for 40 years now. Maybe not quite because it took a few years to get into it. But it's been 40 some years since Kundalini. Um, and so that one experience changed all the rest as I move forward. It also changed all the past because now I could see the past without the psychological tapes running and the story unfolding that everybody gets caught up in. So it's that same principle you go through, you hit a point where you can't get any further in your thousand-year collection of information, and you make, uh, you make a new decision. And then you skip ahead maybe, you know, another 200 years, and, the, and the, you hit another point. And then it's like, okay, oh, I didn't realize that. Um, so we – that's – it's all about being able to reconfigure your frequencies such that you can cope with whatever you have chosen. And then you allow yourself to learn from that and integrate that in, and then you move a little bit further. Eventually, what you come to is becoming eternal. Uh, what are the choices? How does that work? What do I have to do to make that happen, etc.? And, and be free in that eternity, in charge of your own existence. So that's a full partnership with the Godhead, that kind of thing. So let's go back here now. If I go back into the past and I change something in my grandfather's life and he doesn't meet my grandma, well, does that change the time now that I won't exist because my parents, my grandparents didn't come together? So my point is that we're very indoctrinated in a very specific way that things are happen in a, sequ a sequential event and that you can't change that. But well, I were you the grandpa? Sorry, say that again. Were you the grandfather? Was I the grandfather? Well, 
Because you said, I change, if I change something in my grandfather's life, you typically change something in your own life. That's where your power is. But my grandfather, I'm not saying that I was incarnated as my grandfather. So I'm able to, trans, to, to visit time. I go see the time yep. of my grandparents. And I mm -hmm. create something, an event that my grandparents don't meet. They won't have children. What happens to me? that's a movie exactly but that's my point that's how we think of time travel that's how we think that's the point i'm trying to make we have a very okay. limited conception of okay. time travel time travel is because it's it creates so many conundrums in our mind that and i remember i asked you this question once and you said no because possibilities change there's not just one time things that's right out and very so that's what i'm trying to get at oh okay <laughs> yeah um okay so so typically if you're going to go back in time because you want to change something you are going to change something that is in yourself you can choose not to go to a certain parent or set of parents etc um but we're not those those kinds of situations are created by movies and, and not just movies. There are people who have interpreted those kinds of things. Um, so, so if you want to get past the indoctrination, you have to first get your mind around, how do I change my trajectory? How do I change my path, etc.? Then you can begin to get into... The things I'm thinking of Al Bielek here um, and the whole story around the Bielek brothers, uh, the Philadelphia experiment and all of that. Um, there was some changing of the timelines that opened up an, another spot. So you, you have to get your mind around the fact that if you go back to a time and you change something, so the grandparents don't ever meet. That's a different trajectory that runs alongside the one where they do meet. This doesn't become, it, it doesn't erase what already happened. It just creates another opportunity. And that's the same concept or principle as having lots of versions of yourself, half of them not knowing that they exist or why they exist or what they're doing or why they're, what their purpose is or what they were created for. We are very powerful creators. But when you get to a point where you have created an alternative, that doesn't erase what actually happened. Another analogy of that is my experience of of wishing that I had stayed home that one day for my daughter who, who was running behind me saying, just one day, mama, just one day, please stay home. I went back and I created an alternate day. And since it was way better than the original, then she began to access that because we reach for the highest good as much as we can. Can you just elaborate the story a little bit, just because some people won't know the story? And right now you went around too quickly. So just say that just very briefly, just so that people can Just talk. briefly. Okay, so I had a, 
a three-year-old daughter who was chasing me down the sidewalk one morning, crying, crying, mama, please don't go to work. Just stay home. Just one day, mama, please. And I ignored her. The long-term result was her decision was that she, what she wanted didn't matter, that she didn't matter. And by the time she grows up and gets married and has a child and gets depressed and, and et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, it was becoming a tragedy. And I sat down one day after a phone call from her husband um, who said, can we do something? Um, she's just so depressed. And I instantly knew that it was connected to that day when I didn't honor just her and her need that one day. And I could have stayed home. One day wouldn't have made any difference. But at that time, it made all the difference in the world. You just, you didn't stay home from work unless you were dying. Um, so, so I'm after the phone call, I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm thinking about this day where I should have stayed home. And I decided to, um, to pretend that I had stayed home. What would I have done with that day if I had stayed home? And I started creating this, this day, this, I recreated the scenario where she was running after me. And instead of continuing to walk, I turned around and said, okay. And then I ended up going through for three hours, two and a half hours, almost three hours, going through the every step of that day, the conversations, what we did. We went to the library. We went to the, you know, to the, we played in the sandbox. We just a whole bunch of things. Um, and um, tucked them into bed that night and said, you know, I love you, gobs, or bushels and gobs something I had never said before, um, and, and said, and tomorrow I have to go to work, but we at least had one day. And by gosh, a couple of days later, she called me in, on the phone, and I hadn't called her, I hadn't talked to her, you know, she wasn't aware of the work I was doing really much at all. And at the end of the conversation, she said, I'm going to have to do something different. And I, I have to get myself back on track. And she hung up saying, I love you, bushels and gobs. I almost fell off the chair. I was like, oh, my God. She was accessing that fully recreated day as if it had really happened. And the intensity with which I was imagining the recreation of that day was extraordinary. I don't know where that time went. I just, you know, I got completely, completely caught up in that recreation. It stood and still stands as an alternate to what really happened, which was that she had to go to the babysitter and I went off to work. That's what happened physically that day. But the recreation is there for her to draw from as if it happened, because consciousness doesn't care whether something happens physically or whether it is imagined. Imaging is one of our most powerful gifts. It's one of our most powerful skills. We don't use it for much good, but it's there. We will learn to use it. 
that's something that you teach in, in the intuition classes. And it's hard to relate to if you haven't experienced that, that you create an actual shift of emotion that yeah. you feel moving forward. But that's an example of moving through time and again in one lifetime. Yep. But, but then if you start to sit and imagine moving through multiple past and future, it gets a little bit like, so aren't there any laws of time? Like people could just be, once you've become powerful enough to be able to travel yeah look around is there any laws or that you can't do this you can do that or, because for all we know we could be manipulated continuously in our timeline now right <laughs> we are pretty much <laughs> i think um there probably are laws um but they're mostly laws of consciousness because time is produced by the way consciousness moves so if you move yourself from one thing to the next having learned that this has to happen before that can happen then you have a, adjusted your perception to linear thinking when you decide to move beyond time you get to the end of time that's a whole different way of perceiving you need to know something right now because it's critical life and death that's when you want to be able to move around in time and get answers, you know, what if I do this? What if I don't do that? What if I say such and such? Um, and, and so on and so forth. That ability is what I call multidimensional existence, where you can move in and out of any dimension, uh, picking up experiences or even creating experiences on the fly that you think will assist you to make decisions that you have to make tomorrow or, you know, in, in an hour or whatever. Um, you create experiences as if you are um, having a lifetime somewhere and, and then draw the experience from that, draw the decision or make the decision based on what that outcome was um, or what that wisdom has shown you. It's an entirely different way of operating and that's it's much closer to the way ets operate than the way humans and in, in the third dimension on earth operate but still the idea of the end of time which you talk a lot in your classes as well is still yeah. mind-boggling because i'm sitting here and i'm watching water flow and if there's no time, then there's no movement from A to B and no water flowing. So then you wonder, so how are reality systems? No, 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 no. <laughs> don't mix reality. Don't mix material with time. Okay. If you're sitting there and you're watching water flowing, water's flowing. Time is from your perception. It's a way of perceiving. I don't under, I don't understand that. So in other words, it still takes a, a, a measurement. There's a measurement that the water will move from there to there. So there's a measurement of something. If you want to call uh -huh. it something other than time, okay, yeah. then there's still a measurement. Okay. Water is flowing. You can watch the water flow. If you just fix your eyes on one spot in the water, it's just water is flowing. Where's the time involved in that? Okay, so let's take the example then of a bird flying. What's the difference? So I see the bird flying from point A to point B. It's still moving oh. in a direction. Okay, that's movement. That's not time. 
Time is a function of perception. It's a way of moving your perception. Time is a function of perception. It's a way of moving your perception. Okay. And I can see it blank. <laughs> okay. What? okay. <laughs> what is she talking about? I, I know that's my, that's why we've come back to this. I've talked to you before about sitting, right. everything, and I still don't get it. I'm still like, okay. And I know I'm indoctrinated. I know so, because I have to move through. That's okay. So but, one, what is the, so let's, let's go back to some basic physics. Okay. We are considered to be in a space time reality. Okay, what's actually changing when the water flows or the bird flies? What's actually changing? Well, everything is changing. Nothing is staying the same. Everything changes all the time. That's right. Okay. That's correct. So what's actually changing is the relationship of all those frequencies in that space at a given moment in time, okay? We use time as a way of measuring space and its changes, but it also is a way of limiting perception. You can enter into the timeless in which nothing moves and nothing changes and it's absolutely silent that's correct. So what's actually changing is the relationship of all those frequencies in that space at a given moment in time. Okay? We use time as a way of measuring space and its changes, but it also is a way of limiting perception. You can enter into the timeless in which nothing moves and nothing changes and it's absolutely silent, um, that, I mean, that's not something that most people enter into. But location, but, location is still a measurement. There's, it, there's, there's different, like mind space is okay. about location. So there's still location. In a, th a three-dimensional reality, you have a location and it is teeming with frequencies that are changing and reacting and responding um, to one another. And sometimes they bring homeostasis and sometimes they bring massive change. Okay. We are thrilled. We actually are thrilled by, by the fact that change is happening. The perception or the, um, we say that time is passing by when what's really happening is that the frequencies are changing their relationships and positions. And so the bird is in this position with this set of relationships at this moment and over here the next moment. We call that time, but it's really a perception of the change in frequencies. So it's, you know, you can say that when you go to um, when you go in when you're in a dream and you have a dream in which you dream that you were like a half a lifetime occurred in some dreams or something extraordinary happens that seems to take a long time and you wake up and realize 
that whole lifetime happened within 20, 30 minutes of dream time. Why is that possible? Because the rate at which different frequencies unfold and move is different in different places, different dimensions. Okay? If you can, so I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here, but if you can um, train yourself to not be limited by time, you come to the end of time and its ability to control your perception. If you can train yourself to not be limited by time, you come to the end of time and its ability to control your perception. Time is a limiter. It's, you said it's a measurement. In many ways, it's, it's an indicator that frequencies have changed position. Um, and, and so we would say some time has gone by, but really frequencies have changed position. Does that make sense? That part, that part makes sense, but... It, it, okay. It just labeled it as time, but it doesn't mean that time doesn't exist. It's just that it's still a label. Uh, well, it, let me say, maybe I should not say that time doesn't exist until you actually have the experience when there is no time. Um, so for the, for the moment, for this time, <laughs> let's say that um, time is, is a way of perceiving. Okay. If you're in a, time space a mind space where nothing's moving there is no time if you're in a mind space or time space whichever you choose to call it where things are happening and changing very rapidly then time takes your breath away so it's a function of the kind of motion that is native to a particular dimension Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So when you get beyond time, then you can go and put your consciousness wherever the answer you need can be found, regardless of whether the events have actually changed in, that it, in a way that it reflects physical change. Okay? So you can extrapolate from this set of frequencies to a point in which all the paths that are being created from that set of frequencies, you can visit each one of those and you will have an immediate connection with the one that is right for you. It's very dynamic. So when I say time doesn't exist, I should probably limit that to myself. Time doesn't exist for me. I mean, it exists in the way it exists for everybody else, but I'm not limited by that, by time as a function of perception because I can put my attention wherever I want it to be, in the past, the future, or an alternate present. Okay, that's what I mean. When you move, when you get to the end of time, it's the end of time as it is known and practiced in your dimension. And you are free to put your attention anywhere you want 
it to be. Looking for exactly what you just said, what's the best outcome? I don't know why people don't do more of that. I think it's a, a factor that we just haven't been taught. Nobody understands consciousness. Um, we even, I, to this day, we still don't understand dreams. Um, many people have a lot of of uh, fears around demons and things like that. It's all consciousness. It's all just consciousness, everything. So it's something that um, when I say there is no time, for me, I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not limited by time. And you could choose or they or whoever could also choose to no longer be limited by time. That's, you know, let me say it this way. That doesn't mean that I can get out of this reality, boom, just like that physically. Because the physical thing started is going to carry forward. But the consciousness is where most of the action is. And so that's... Um, you, the goal is to enjoy wherever you happen to be. So I use, I enjoy being here and I use um, perception as if I am not limited by time, as if time does not exist. And that way I have the best of two worlds. So having that understanding of this reality system where we use time, and we look yes. at trauma that's going on around us. Because my, my point to wanting to talk about this is that often, like we start at the beginning of the conversation, we're talking how whoever's gotten the shot, who hasn't, how is their life going to evolve, what's going to happen, and maybe a thousand years into the future, they become little grays or something else. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah, so we have a very limited perception of what's happening now. And we like drama, right? We've become very dramatic. You do. So, and including myself, I'm not a, ex everybody you know. loves drama. That's what keeps us alive. Drama, excitement, change. So let me ask you this. Do evolved beings also like drama? Does everybody like drama? Yes, absolutely. Which it's almost funny to watch or to listen to their versions of drama. So, so what are their versions of drama? I was going to, my next question exactly. So what, how do they see, because the way we're portrayed, someone who has wisdom and grace and power is almost someone who's, I don't want to say motionless, but, or, or emotionless, but <laughs> very like statuesque, you know, very. Yeah, that's the popular illusion that that's very spiritual. That's not the case. When you have evolved beings, the love of drama is going to show up in the arts. And those uh, populations that are very evolved have extraordinary arts. The sciences are an art. Music is an art. Movement and dance is an art. Um, there are uh, how would I? There are plays, or they sometimes call them movies, but they're not really movies. There are plays or dramas that get enacted in which they will start with a question and then they start interacting and they have props and they have a, a stage or a room 
that has been staged to be like the setting they would expect this question to you know, to be part of. And then they uh, intuitively, they play off of one another. It's like improv theater, if you've ever seen improv. Um, very, very powerful, though. And there'll come these moments where everybody freezes. They realize somebody just said something profound that is really important. And they all, they freeze and then they all shift and they start interacting as if that statement or that action, whatever it was, um, was, is now the controlling factor. I hope that sounds, I hope that's clear. Um, and then there's dance, um, there's travel, the drama of travel. Oh my gosh, they love travel. Um, yeah, it's kind of like you and, and Matthias, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Where can we go next? You know, let's go check out these kind of people and that kind of planet. And um, we've heard that the frequencies are a rough ride. The rapids on uh, this current are pretty rough. Let's see what, what we can. Let's go for a ride. You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, the, it's real life drama in a way that's, uh, how do I say, that's expressed very artistically. The drama that we have here is not nearly as artistic. Some of it is tragic. So in a sense, you could say, well, it's kind of like a tragic movie. But it's um, the goal of, of people who are more involved and who love drama, real drama, um, is to learn something or to evolve themselves. We don't um, take... We don't do it quite that way here. We go and observe, you know, we watch a movie, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, and the movies, you know, um, they there's a lot of talk that says the movies teach us what they are doing, they, the cabal, <laughs> what they're planning. So I want to come back to our lives now. Again, we think that this okay. is very limited, that we've gotten, some of people got the shot, they made decisions, good yeah. or bad decisions. The whole idea is that we make decisions and yep. then, and we, then we learn from them, but they're not um, uh, anchored in stone or it's not the last. No. Um, what's the word that she used? Sorry. Hopeless. No, sealed our faiths. So whatever oh. we decide, we have not sealed our faiths to anything. Things no. can changed and moved and it's dynamic. And that is really the essence of the whole effort that we are making here um, to become masters of our fate. Um, nothing is ever sealed. I mean, if you got the shot last year, that's sealed. That's done. But that doesn't mean that you have zero options. I mean, you have a million options now and some of them are pretty demanding. And what happens is you learn. You learn from your experience, and it makes you very powerful. So, um, you know, that's don't don't freak out if you got the shot. So, can you describe power? So, talked about powerlessness, yeah. taking away power, and stand in your power. So, what is power? Power is the ability to decide and do. Period. You know, and you take action. 
if you know and there's no action, you have not really utilized your power. If you take action and you don't know, then you are using power recklessly. Real power is the ability to decide and do. In other words, to observe, to see, to come to some decision, and then to take some action. That's power. And even, I'm going to say this is quite a bit of a time, if the action or the decision is um, not quite in alignment with where you want it or the, the outcome you want, Sometimes you get that outcome anyway, because that's the intent. So, you know, take some action. It's, you have just um, an extraordinary chance to impact your own life in amazing ways. And to learn something about not only what does the body need and where are its limits, etc., but it teaches you about using your own power. But people might say it's it's easy to say that, but we don't even know what's going on. So we're being asked to do things or not. So uh, we're power in that. If you don't know the truth, so if the truth is hidden from you deliberately, yeah, I think true. you're making decisions. Then you're making a decision with no power. Well, that's true. You have to look deeply, and if you're if your power is driven by biases, fears, and prejudices, that's not power. That's a trap into being suckered. Um, and, but even, even if you wake up after you've made some decision and taken some action, you still have power to begin you know, turning things around. There are, there are things that can be done. And you will have to dig and do the deep digging after the fact that you should have done before the fact, but still. Um, you know, you come to a place where you realize, oh, okay, this is what I need to do. And then you do it. It seems that there's more people now. Um, I, I see this a lot go by in the emails, etc. that are just, I don't want to say waking up, or just realizing what's going on. They're just realizing the lies yeah. that have been told, etc., etc. Yeah. And a lot of people ask, so why isn't the majority of people waking up? I've asked you this before and you said um so why is it that i could see something that's going on but everybody else don't see that and you said something along the lines is some people have more of themselves right can you talk just a little right. bit about that then I'll, I'll i'll ask another question um okay so when you have enough of yourself in a pile i guess is the best way to say it when you have enough of your bricks in a pile um, then you have enough structure to begin to resist some of the craziness, to begin to hold a form until you're sure of what you want to do. Um, and you have enough, um, I'm going to say, resistance to uh, something that somebody's trying to push at you. And, and that resistance allows you to look a little deeper. Another thing is, if you don't have enough of yourself, let's come at it from a, a different angle. Let's say you've got all the things your mother and dad told you were good or bad. All those things your teachers said were do's and don'ts. All those expectations your bosses have said you need to be aware of and, and take into account, blah, blah, blah. And everything your church is telling you and everything your government is telling you. 
you don't have any you. All you've got is a whole pile of rules that you have taken on from everybody else. How many of those rules have you tested? How many have you violated? I shouldn't. I don't want to cause trouble for people, but at there are times when um, you do have to go out and 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 test something and say, "Is that me or is that not me? Can I do that or no?" And that doesn't mean you have to be blatant or rebellious or revolutionary. You just have to decide for you and then go quietly about your own way. If you don't have enough of yourself and all you've got are all these biases, rules, do's and don'ts from everybody else, then you're going to go whichever way the wind blows. And it'd be very difficult. And it, I remember just agonizing about the, the stresses that I was under um, because I began to see and to know when consciousness is unlimited, you see a lot, you know a lot. Um, and I, I couldn't pretend anymore. I couldn't lie to myself anymore. I couldn't follow the rules that were not mine. And so that's what I mean when I say you have to have enough of yourself. You have to have examined and tested yourself enough to know what is it you believe in, what is it you think, what is it you want. You come to a place where you want the world to be a good place. You want people to be happy. You want people to, um, you want the world to work smoothly. You want beauty. You want truth. Um, we're not getting much of that right now. And it's really sad. And so why is it that I, like the person that writes says, why is it that I can see what's going on and what they're, that they're lying to us? And why can't my family see this? I feel like I'm all alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. screaming on roofs and no one no one hears yeah <laughs> so some say um it could be incarnation also the way they incarnated that yeah. they were supposed to know um you've also mentioned um just now yeah. that there's not enough of yourself but there's also the idea in there that uh um from a young age that you there's a lot of decisions that you made that took away also that took away yeah. the parts of yourself so that you come to a point where you can't decide anything for yourself. Right. But people can heal from that. In other words, what we're seeing right yeah. now in the world where it's completely divided and a very small, I don't want to say small, it's not everybody, it's not half-half the people who realize that we're not being told the truth and those who don't see it. Yeah. So why isn't that other half of the population not waking up, not seeing because they'll say that I'm asleep, for example. They say, well, you, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist. What are you talking about? I might be also. But why such division? Why is it that we don't all see the same thing and then say, okay, so what's, what's reality? Yeah. Well, um, reality is in the eye of the beholder to a certain extent. You can make that work until it bites you. And then you have to be real. When half the population sees one thing and half it sees the other thing, and I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, one side, what I see is one side of the population really wants a better world. They want the earth to be healed. They want enough money for everyone. They want every. They want the animals to be well taken care of. They want. Um, water to be clean and air to be clean and everything to be plentiful. They want that. 
Um, and they have lumped all that together under sometimes the green umbrella, sometimes climate change, sometimes liberal or social, um, social progressives and that kind of thing. They want those things and those are all good things. The other side is they want those same things, but what they see is that there's an awful lot of corruption in the way of getting those things. They And so the two sides are just not coming together at this point um, when they really all want the same thing. So the, the, I think the thing that has to happen at some point is the people who want all the green and the um, clean water and, you know, people to be taken care of and animals to be treated well and all that stuff, um, they are going to run into what is this really working? They're going to run into the reality. Either it's going to work or it's not. Um, and I think we're about to split in such a way that those who want that progressive socialist kind of, of life are going to have a chance to live that out. And we'll see if they can make it work. It has never worked in the past, but maybe they've got some new idea or approach. The people who don't want the corruption, because they see that is in the way of getting to this same world, whereas, you know, the people on the left see the people on the right as in the way, um, that it really is um, kind of a round robin of, of uh, argument and perception. So um, there comes a point at which you have to let people go live and do um, the way that they think they can make it work. Um, and then you can't say, I told you so, if somewhere down the road, they come over and say, you know, that's not working, it was awful. Or, you know, this, I, I can't get this one piece that I really, this was the most important piece for me, that kind of thing. So nobody can be pointing fingers. Um, I, the conspiracy theory is, is a handy label. Um, you know, so one side is pointing at the other saying you're conspiracy theorists and the other is pointing back and saying <coughs> those people are corrupt. <coughs> we don't have a key piece right now. And we haven't had it for a long time. And that key piece is an honest media. Um, the media is captured and they have an agenda and they are working that agenda hard and fast. Um, and a lot of pieces have been put into place that I think are going to crash and burn. So I think we're going to be left without a country. I probably shouldn't say that, <laughs> but that's what it's looking like. That's what the robes showed you as well. <sighs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, there was um, no more United States. There's a bunch of states, but uh, nobody was together. Everybody was fighting. So the point of this conversation was to show that, yes, we all have drama. That's our current drama. That's what we're living. But then yes, we talked about time and how the end of time and how moving yeah. beyond that also. And to try to, and that's what I try to do, is try to see the drama that we're living as as temporary that it's just something yeah. that now and that you know what can we learn so it's right. not easy. i'm not saying that's easy but i know yeah 
What can we learn? There's much to learn. Any final thoughts before we close? Um, I really don't have anything, you know, wonderful and inspiring to say. Um, I would just say to people, uh, work on yourself. It's really, that's the best way forward. If you haven't worked on yourself, then everybody is going to be a trigger. Um, right now, we don't need any more triggers. So just focus on working on you, examining, um, you know, what is it that gets you all riled up and see if you can unrile and untangle your thoughts. So the world is going to be what we make it. Keep that in mind. <laughs>